Hello and welcome to Dragon Bites, the paediatric podcast aimed at paediatric trainees or anyone interested in child health. I'm Asim, one of the paediatric trainees here in Wales and one of the presenters for Dragon Bites. This week we're going to continue our series of cardiology lectures on left to right shunts. We now have the second part of ventricular septal defects as presented by Professor Orhan Uzun, fetal and paediatric cardiologist at the University Hospital of Wales. Anyway, let's get started. Perhaps curiosity will the ECG, hmm. chest X-ray and echocardiogram. Mm-hmm. So ECG shows you what? Small VST ECG is normal, mm-hmm. no doubt about it, if it is not associated with any other pathology. Mm-hmm. If it is moderate and large VST, what would you expect? Think of chamber sizes mm. and wall thicknesses. So left atrium is big and left ventricle is big. Hmm. So, you'd, so you'd see some left axis deviation on the... Maybe, yes. Yeah. And you would also see left atrial dilatation, hmm. sort of biphasic or double hump notched P waves mm-hmm. due to left atrial dilatation mm-hmm. or LVH, left ventricular hypertrophy. Mm-hmm. So you expect in the large VST, this would be more obvious. Sure. So moderate and large would show you left atrial and left ventricular dilatation. Fine. If it is associated with pulmonary hypertension, what would you expect? Then you, I suppose your right side would be enlarged also. Yes. So you'd have RVH. RVH, yeah. Wonderful. You would see pure R waves in V1 hmm. and you would see some changes in T waves, but pure R waves. So that would be right ventricular hypertrophy mm-hmm. findings. Um, ECG sometimes may be normal in children because it doesn't correlate well with hypertrophy. Right. So don't be fooled. Okay. It depends also size of the person mm-hmm. and the thickness of the skin. So a lot of factors may may in, um, interfere. Sure. So chest x-ray, what do you expect in the chest x-ray? Think Think of the consequences. Quite a lot of blood goes to the lungs. Hmm. So shunt, if the shunt is more than 1.5 to 1, we talked about it, you see what increased pulmonary vascular markings. Mm -hmm. So pulmonary plethora, or increased vascular markings, would be one of the signs. But that's the arterial markings, Mm -hmm. which is like wings. Not the ones in the pulmonary venous congestion, where you sit in apices okay. in the apex. So those are the two different things. If it is increased pulmonary arterial flow on the sides, mm. mid-zones, but if it is pulmonary venous flow increased, then you will see it in apices of the lungs. Right. And the other thing you would see, pulmonary conus mm. would be prominent. It would be bulging yeah. towards the left side. Mm-hmm. And the left ventricle would look large, mm-hmm. would be expanding. So cardiothoracic ratio um, would have increased. Do you expect anything else? Say patient develop pulmonary vascular resistance and uh, pulmonary hypertension. It's called pruning. And what you see, the, you see main pulmonary artery or the branches, main branches, large, but all of a sudden pulmonary arteries in the periphery becomes very small. Yeah. They may not be visible. So we call that pruning. Uh-huh. That's what pruning is about. Yeah. And the right ventricle this time would be larger and right atrium would be larger rather than left. Yeah. What did we say in our previous discussion? We checked that right atrium with our fingers. Excellent. If it's bigger than two fingers, yes. then it's enlarged. Definitely enlarged. Yeah. In infants, one finger, mm-hmm. yeah. In older children, two fingers. Yeah. yeah. Remember. 
So then we've done all these things um, academically talk to um, our colleagues and, and parents who said, oh, we need to get the cardiologist. Let's have a look at the echocardiogram. And echocardiogram would just confirm what you said. Yeah. But by the um, nature of discussion we had here, you already made this uh, diagnosis. Yeah. So echocardiogram will tell us a few more things. What will it tell us in the future, hopefully, when we train you guys, it would tell us the location of the VSD, mm -hmm. size of the VSD, and also um, size of the cardiac chambers, and also the velocity, speed of blood going through the hole. Mm. And indirectly, we can postulate what the pressure is inside the lungs. Mm. So we can measure RV and pulmonary artery pressure. So yeah. we look at five things. And the fifth thing is, is there any associated lesion? Like mitral stenosis, like ASD, like aortic stenosis, or pulmonary stenosis, and other things. Mm. So VSDs are commonly associated with a syndrome where we have mitral stenosis, aortic stenosis, and sometimes coarctation. Can you remember anything? Does it come to your mind? It's not. It's, it's a boy's name. Sean. Sean. Oh, gosh. Oh, this is... <laughs> it's coming back to me from us, the exams so long ago. I have not thought about Sean syndrome. Sean complex, yeah? Yeah. We call it Sean complex. It is not something you wish for. Hmm. Because if there is Sean complex, then the mitral stenosis becomes a real problem later on, or aortic stenosis requires further attention and intervention. Mm. But VSD alone is um, something that we can treat um, easily with surgical intervention, patch, or sometime with other means, and um, responds to a treatment very well with no long-term problems. Mm. So um, echocardiogram would also tell you where it is located. So is it in the membranous portion? Is it perimembranous? Is it muscular? Or whether it is in the outlet portion, um, doubly committed. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and the VSD, what else would it show? Um, echocardiogram. It would also show whether VSD is getting smaller. Because it mm. might show a piece of tissue coming from tricuspid valve and trying to block it. That mm. is the mechanism of natural closure. Mm. Tricuspid valve accessory tissue and grows and attaches to the lower end of the ventricular septum and gets plugged. The VST gets plugged mm. and gradually it disappears. Right. So closure of these VSTs expected in muscular VSTs with different mechanism by muscular structure growing mm. and coming closer, eventually merging. But in the perimeter section, by means of tricuspid valve tissue. Yeah. In that VSTs also get smaller by tricuspid valve tissue, but less often. They might get smaller, yeah. but less often. So the muscular VST, most likely to close. Perimeter VST, second likely. Inlet VST, less likely. And the double committed, least likely. Mm. So that's how you can define severity of the condition. Yeah. How it naturally evolves. So the VSD um, has been defined, echocardiography confirmed, it's a large VSD, moderate VSD, small VSD. Then we will decide on the how we manage this. Mm -hmm. So management, when we come to management, um, it, it will be defined by the natural history. We talked about natural history. Spontaneous closure rate is almost 80-90% in small VSDs, mm -hmm. small muscular VSDs. 
antenatally or postnatally. If it is perimembranous um, or membranous VSTs, the, the closure rate, depending on the size, vary from 30% to no more than 60%. Mm -hmm. Majority of the time, they will need moderate and large VSTs would require intervention. Mm -hmm. um, and the closure occurs usually within the first year of life, about um, 60 70%. It extends up to five years of age, about 80% would close, 90% would close by the age of five. Mm -hmm. And the small amount, perhaps two, three percent, might close up to age of 10, but beyond 10, 12, they would not close, mm -hmm. definitely. But beyond five years of age, you would normally tell this is not going to close. However, if it is small, if it got restricted um, by assessing the size of it and the pressure drop, across the VSD on echocardiogram, you can still leave these patients alone. Mm -hmm. We don't treat them, those small VSDs, mm -hmm. unless they cause three problems. One, it's relating to infection mm -hmm. after dental extraction or after skin piercing. Mm -hmm. Some patients might develop infection inside the heart. Mm -hmm. What is it called? Endocarditis. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. If there is an endocarditis within the um, ventricular septum, mm. that, that is an indication to close it. Mm -hmm. Second problem, it occurs usually with the perimembranous VST mm. or inlet VSTs or doubly committed VSTs. They lead to further deterioration in the function of aortic valve or pulmonary valve or the inlet valves, mm -hmm. causing either regurgitation, aortic regurgitation, tricuspid regurgitation or mitral regurgitation. Mm -hmm. So second problem is um, hemodynamic issue. Mm -hmm. And the third issue, sometimes VSDs um, might lead to a little bit, what we call it, malalignment of the septum. I see. Size of the VSD might actually push the aorta to the right or to the left. Mm. If, if the septum pushed posteriorly towards the aortic outlet, it might lead to aortic outflow obstruction. Mm. So if it leads to obstruction, then you need to close it mm -hmm. and tackle it. Sure. So there are three scenarios, infection, yeah, or leaky valve, mm -hmm. or narrowings. Mm -hmm. Say patient needs surgery, how are we going to decide on the surgery? One, failure to thrive, mm -hmm. breathlessness, and increased pressures. And the fourth, you. Um, concerned that the shunt is too much because left ventricle is big, right ventricle is getting thicker, mm -hmm. and the lungs are plethoric, mm -hmm. and there is um, increased cardiothoracic ratio. When should we treat them? What age? I suppose it's, uh, I suppose weight and size makes a big difference, doesn't it? So, you, so I don't know if, the, if, if there's an age cutoff, if it's neonatal more a, period? I suppose, would you want them bigger than that? Otherwise, it's a very difficult, I assume it would be a technically So how would you buy time? So, so this, I suppose this is where you'd start to bring in supportive measures. Absolutely. Medical treatment. Hmm. So what would they be? So you could think about, um, so first optimizing the feeding. Excellent. ABC, hmm. feeding and growth. Hmm. Okay. Um, think of high calorie diet. Mm -hmm. Think of supplemental food. Think of NG2 feeding. Mm -hmm. What is the essence of NG2 feeding? Well, I suppose it takes away the energy requirements from suckling. So, so where, do, where would you use that extra energy for? You could use that for growth. Absolutely. So that's the reason. So you can give also 
continuous flow, continuous flow feeding to prevent these babies vomiting. Why mm. do they vomit these babies? And they don't absorb. Mm, that's a good question. So congestion occurs on mm. the lungs? I suppose by the way you've said that, it doesn't. So have they got a degree of sort of enteric congestion? Absolutely. Mm. So enteric congestion is another problem in these patients and mm. they do develop absorption problems mm. and uh, they start vomiting. Wow. And the nasogastric tube or or sometimes nasogestional uh, NJ tube might be necessary in these patients. Very rarely peg insertion mm. may be needed. Mm. Um, so optimization of feeding, lansoprazole or other medication to prevent proton pump inhibitors, reflux or vomiting, mm -hmm. and heavy involvement of speech and language and, and dietitian is very important. Mm -hmm. And also weighing off these babies at home. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, empowering parents work together as a team mm -hmm. so that's the first essential element mm -hmm. so we optimize the feeding then mm -hmm. what is next um medical an, another element you could do is try and help if they have got elements of heart failure you might want to help offload them so i've heard diuretics being used excellent before. offloading good mm -hmm. diuretics frosamide and spironolactone we combine them mm -hmm. because spironolactone has, has also anti-failure and hormonal positive effects mm -hmm. Um, if patient is not responding to that, you can add afterload reduction so that heart can push blood easily. Mm. Doesn't have to generate high pressure, mm. preserves energy. ACE inhibitor is the first line. Okay. Um, but we give it in babies over 3.5 kilogram or 3 kilogram, non preterm babies. Mm -hmm. And we give them with great caution not to cause what failure? Renal failure? Absolutely. Mm. And the second thing is potassium retention. Mm -hmm. yeah. So before we do that, we check their electrolytes, mm -hmm. make sure potassium sodium okay. And then when we give it, we give test dose, mm. very small dose, um, 0 0.05 milligram or 0 0.1 milligram per kilogram test dose. And monitor baby's blood pressure every 15 minutes, first hour, and every half an hour, second hour, and another hour, three hours, after baby goes home mm. if they tolerate you prescribe them on starting dose 0.1 milligram per gram per dose three times a day captopril <clears throat> okay this is in patients with no renal artery stenosis mm -hmm. you must make sure patient don't have renal artery stenosis mm -hmm. if they have high blood pressure there is renal artery stenosis um, suspected then you need to do radiology review mm -hmm. and exclude that because you might cause significant renal failure mm. and you might lose that kidney. Mm. Be careful. Say potassium is high, sodium is low, and this baby cannot have captopril. Hydralazine. Hydralazine. Excellent. Oh gosh, I'm yeah. sure you remember this old-fashioned. Yeah. A person of my age would remember that. <laughs> if you come to cardiology rotation, you will become familiar. Mm. Hydralazine doesn't affect the kidneys because it's not metabolizing the kidneys. So we can actually substitute captopril with hydrolysin. Hydrolysin is not as effective as captopril, but mm. it works mm -hmm. and um, removes the uh, concern with kidneys. Yeah. When you start captopril, you need to bring these babies back within five days, mm -hmm. five days or seven days after, no later than that, to check electrolytes again. Mm -hmm. And then if there is any rise, then you need to stop it. Mm -hmm. Captopril's need to be increased gradually. In hydrolysin, there is no such scenario. You can go up very quickly okay. without um, worrying about kidneys too much. Just check the blood pressure sure. and make sure baby will take enough volume. Mm -hmm. 
Um, if baby looks pale, not well, of course you need to give more volume or stop giving hydrolyzin or captopril. What can you think of then? Not the afterload reduction, but positive inotropic, old-fashioned medication. Dijoxin? Oh, dijoxin. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought of dijoxin. Okay. Dijoxin, dijoxin can yeah. be given in these patients because yeah. it's inotropic. Although there is debate that it might increase cardiac energy expenditure. And um, so dijoxin can be started instead of um, um, captopril or hydralazine. Recently, um, also um, beta blockers mm. are advocated in these patients like carvedilol. Okay. So you may start them on carvedilol as well, mm -hmm. either on their own, because carvedilol wouldn't affect kidney function too much, as much as captopril. Mm -hmm. Medical management is like that, mm. um, and we try to buy time. This won't treat VSD, but it might buy time. Sometimes, if you help the volume of blood, it might actually, VSD might get smaller. Hmm. If baby is big enough, um, say four or five kilogram, reached three months of age, four months of age, then um, you close the VSD when they reach around five, six kilogram. Hmm. Yeah? Definitely before six months of age in those babies. Yeah. Say baby is showing sign of um, congestive heart failure, increased pulmonary pressure, but it's not amenable to surgery because it's still large. So surgeon cannot put big, big fingers, cannot put huge patch. Hmm. What do we need to do in these babies? Interim operation. There is no pulmonary stenosis. You need to create one. Oh, so these are the ones we banned? Absolutely. Yeah. So there's another way. Hmm. So feeding first and uh, uh, medical management to buy time. Hmm. Second means of buying time is PA banding. Hmm. So we ban them so that we can prevent pulmonary hypertension developing. Right. So we can delay it up to 10 kilogram, 12 kilogram, or whatever, 15 kilogram, mm -hmm. until baby becomes a bit blue, mm -hmm. then we do close these VSTs. Because natural course is those VSTs to get smaller. Yeah. As the heart gets bigger, the VST doesn't get bigger, mm. gets smaller. I see. Then you can close it. Yeah. If the VSD is amenable to surgery, not very big, you don't need to do banding, and surgeon feels confident, he can put the patch and close it, then we do a patch closure of VSDs. Mm -hmm. Occasionally, we may also use stitch for small VSDs. Okay. Stitch closure. But most of the time, we use either Dacron patch, very rarely pericardial patch. Mm -hmm. But recently, we use Dacron patch. Right. So after surgery, effect is immediate. These babies do much better. They become completely different babies. Mm. Parents will tell you, oh, just eat like, you know, never eaten. And it's, it's color changed, he's happier, he's more active. Yeah. And he's finishing my breast now within 15 minutes, even 10 minutes. Mm. A bottle. Well, I can't, you know, um, wait longer than five minutes. He just finishes straight away. Yeah. And they start growing really rapidly. Yeah. Very rarely these babies after surgery might have dehiscence of the patch edges mm. and VSD may appear again. Mm. So if they, if you hear a mum after surgery, you might think of that. Okay. That shouldn't be in a mama. Or if there is mitral regurgitation or tricuspid regurgitation, you might still hear it, but after a while, say three, four months after or six months after, when the ventricle shrinks, those mamas should also disappear. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing you need to pay attention to. Other thing you need to pay attention to after surgery, baby um, becomes very sleepy or um, becomes very pale mm. and uh, loses consciousness. And you count the pulse, heart rate is barely 40, 50. Oh gosh. 
when you do an ECG, you see heart block. Hmm. So those babies very rarely may develop heart block. Risk is about 1%. Hmm. Depends on the location of VSD. It may be up to 5% if it is inlet VSD and if it is close to AV node. Hmm. The indication for surgery, as I said, shunt. If the shunt is more than 1.5 to 1, um, we do close. If it is less than 1.5 to 1, um, we wait. Yeah. Um, if it is over 2, then we definitely close it. There is an urgency because there is a risk. And the other problem, if you don't close these VSTs, as I said, leaky valves. If the leaky valve is developing, despite VSD getting smaller, we repair the leaky valve as well as the VSD. Yeah. So, um, and those babies, leakage might cause diastolic murmur. If the diastolic murmur becomes more significant, louder, then it indicates leakage got worse. Mm -hmm. So after VSD closure, that's another thing you need to pay attention to. Sure. So it depends on what the problem was. And it's done under bypass procedure and the recovery is very quick um, and babies um, leads to normal life afterwards. Mm -hmm. If there is no Arti um, a residual problem. After surgery, ECG will show right bundle branch block. Don't forget about it. Mm. So that's, that's quite normal. Mm -hmm. So nothing to be worried about. Sure. As long as patient don't have any other higher degree block or PR prolongation sure. or heart block. So I'd like to finish our uh, conversation yeah. if, if that is enough. I think for that's you. What do been you think? fantastic. I think that's a good place to end this episode. So yeah, um, should we have three take-home messages from this? Yes. Um, yeah. My um, take-home messages: mm. one, loud murmur should not uh, be considered as severe large VSD. Mm. So that's misleading. So loud murmur in VSD indicates it's getting smaller. Remember, you should be worried about if the murmur is moderate intense intensity or low intensity. Mm -hmm. Remember. Yeah. Second thing is pay attention to babies. Um, growth, weight gain, and how babies behaving to feeding. Mm -hmm. That's very important in, fe in small babies. So try to catch it earlier before baby develops in other symptoms. Mm -hmm. So that's relating to diagnosis, relating to identifying those babies with signs of congestive heart failure. Mm -hmm. So one is um, misconception of murmur. Second one is um, not paying too much attention to feeding baby's appearance or what mother says. Mm -hmm. And the third is, in these babies, um, you need to look at um, other findings to say whether this VSD is complicated, not complicated, not cyanosis, thrill, loud second heart sound, and so on. Mm -hmm. Or on ECG, Eisenmenger, right ventricular hypertrophy. Yeah. Try to avoid that. Luckily, it's not common in this country. Excellent. So what would you take? So there were loads, I mean, I learned far more than three, but let's let's focus on three things that I want to retain. So first, that the, there are several present, several ways VSDs can not present, but can anatomically be positioned. So they can be membranous, perimembranous, muscular, or um, double committed. Doubly committed. Doubly committed. Wonderful. Um, so that'll be... First thing, second thing in of something that I didn't know in terms of medical management is, in cases where ACE inhibitors aren't useful, the next line is hydralazine or or digoxin. Wonderful. Third, excellent. And the third thing is, 
um, let's go with something surgical because we I think we've covered other things. So um, you can buy yourself some time with PA banding, but the final thing you need is a patch closure, which you normally aim for maybe 10, 15 kilograms of weight. Plus. Five to six kilograms. Five to six kilograms yes. of weight plus. Five to six kilograms without PA banding if mm. baby is symptomatic because okay. beyond six months of age, they start to develop oh, pulmonary tension. Fab. 10 kilogram, 15 kilogram with PA banding. Lovely. Perfect. Well, I enjoyed it. I hope the listeners will enjoy as well. I'm sure they will. Let's meet next time to talk about um, AP window and PDA. That sounds fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you. And that's it for this episode. Thank you again to Professor Orhan Uzun for recording that with us. Join us again next week for the continuation of this series. Thank you for listening to Dragon Bites.